Thank you for a wonderful, warm introduction. And um, my wonderful wife, Melissa, uh, many of you, some of you may have met uh, us for the first time in their DNA class just a few weeks ago. And we do intend to be down uh, in March for the DNA class. And uh, so we'll be back for that. And, uh, but it's just, just awesome to be here. Let me just calm down for a moment. Is that okay? And um, my wife is back in Owensboro this morning, and uh, she's taking care of services there. We've been in a series that I entitled, This Is My Family. And the in month of uh, January, it was, This Is My Church. And February, it was, This Is My Family. So we've been talking about family. And so today, we took the opportunity for her to just take the reins, and um, I don't give her the reins very often. I <laughs> uh, hope she doesn't see or hear something if it's being recorded. But uh, nonetheless, not that she's not capable, she's very capable. But, th- but today she was doing a panel discussion with my other three sons. You guys know Lyle. Uh, we also have Bryson, Jordan, and Spencer. And many of you may know Spencer as well. Uh, and they were doing a panel discussion uh, there in Owensboro this morning in both of our services there. And she was basically doing a family discussion with them about what it was like to be raised in a Christian home by, by pastor and being pastor's kids and what all of that really looked like. So she's taking care of business back at the house. But I do want to say this morning that I am so thankful to be here today with you. Uh, it has been such a privilege to, to help really sort of co-found uh, because Lyle and you guys have done all of the work. Uh, we just sort of have been at a distance doing what we can uh, from a distance because in all seriousness, only seven years ago, we replanted another church. And, uh, and so we have been, it's been everything we could do over the last seven years to really get Owensboro to where it is uh, today. And uh, last week in, uh, in seven years, we had uh, 700-ish in attendance last wow. week. And so together as a ministry, and guys, seven years, you wait another seven years. Wow. See what happens. Um, God has given us a promise in Owensboro of what we're intending to do there. And the churches that will be planted uh, there, not just in Owensboro, but around, not just Nashville, but others. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, we don't talk a lot about that now because we're not ready to do that. And I don't want you guys to get all strung out and saying, well, we're, we're ready to go plant. We're not ready yet because this house has got to be so strong before we plant another church in Nashville. But Lyle and Allison are so strong, and I say that, very strong in ministry. Where they are at the age that they are, by the time that they are our age, mine and my wife's age, there's absolutely no telling where they will be in ministry. I'm very, very thankful for them and proud of them, of the way they're handling themselves. And um, so thankful that today he's had the opportunity to travel to Washington, D.C. and speak there in a conference. And I wish I had the favor he had. <laughs> that boy, I'll tell you right now, he, he just falls in it wherever he goes, and that's just the Lord. And, and I'm very, very thankful for that. You know, we, we really have, we, we've put out, we've condensed and we've compressed and really prayed about our values. And I know Lyle has and Allison have shared those with you over the last few weeks and months or two maybe. And, and those are really, really prayed about and considered. These really are our core values. And whenever we talk about values, this is something that we intend to build on as we move forward for the next hundred years. Because that's really what legacy is. It's looking outward a hundred years. It's not about what I can get done today. But one of our greatest values is worship. Worship, and what a wonderful time this morning that we've had in worship. Just awesome. So thankful for powerful worship teams. 
But as we begin to talk about our values, they're ascending. We talk about worship. We talk about family. We talk about growth. We talk about generosity. We talk about legacy. These things are an ascending thing, one upon the other, and they are meant to be that way. So I hope that you will grab a hold of these values and memorize them because the culture of a church can only be as strong as the grounding of the values of the house. And so make these, make these values strong in your heart so that you can recite them at any moment, so that you know where you are and who you are and what you're doing and what God's called you to do. And today there's something that I really have on my heart. And I told the first service this morning that I tried to change. I say tried. I almost changed my message a couple of times actually as I was standing there in worship and I didn't. But I was considering, I had the wonderful opportunity about a month and a half ago or so to run into my first marathon that I've ever run in. And, um, and I, I came out of that with a message. It's not my message this morning, but there was something that happened to me during that time that I became very vulnerable during that run. It can tell you when it was, exactly when it was. It was about 22 miles in. Something happened in me, and I knew that it wasn't just physically. I knew it was spiritual as well. Whenever I finished that, I found myself in a vulnerable state that God began to speak to me and He began to share uh, with me some things about not only myself but vision and, uh, and character. The Bible teaches us in the book of Exodus chapter number 33, I think it is verse number 13 or so, Moses is praying and he said, God, show me your glory. God, show me your glory. And whenever I began to consider God saying, God, show me your glory, I thought that I really knew what the glory of God may have been just in my first comprehension of reading that, that context of that scripture. Whenever I began to read that, I thought, God, show me your glory. God, show me your glory. And what was Moses really saying? Was he saying, God, show me something that is mystical, something that is mysterious, something that uh, is, is somewhat spiritual in content, meaning that it's here and gone, only I can see. But really, whenever you begin to, to read into that and you begin to study that, you begin to realize that what Moses was saying was, is God, show me your character. God, show me your character. God, give me a glimpse into your heart. Give me a glimpse into who you really are because I don't just want to know your ways. I want to know who you are. I don't just want to know your provision. I want to know your ways. And so it's in all of us that hunger to know God's ways. And so this morning, I want to share with you a message that I feel like that if you'll hang with me from start to finish, don't, 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 don't think you know where I'm going until we get to the bottom of this message this morning. And I would, I would hope that you would take some notes and, um, and just maybe after service today, go over these again and just consider them. But the title of my message this morning is Satan's Greatest Desire. Satan's Greatest Desire. My message is really compiled of three questions. Three questions this morning that I'm going to ask you, and then I'm going to answer those questions as we go along in the message this morning. But the three questions. My first question is, what was, was, underline was, what was, capital was, W-A-S, what was Satan's desire? What was Satan's desire? Whenever Satan was in heaven and at the end of his stint there, if I may, what was his desires? I'm going to read with you in your hearing this morning out of Isaiah chapter number 14, verses number 12 through verse 14. And there were five things there that Satan said that really sealed the deal for him. Five things that Satan said, quoted in Isaiah's prophetic word that he begins to share and pen for us that we could understand the heart of Satan whenever God striked him out of heaven. I want you to notice with me this morning these five things that Satan said and God had a rebuttal. He had an answer for these things. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV this morning and the Bible says this. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will 
ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned in the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of the mount of Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. There were five I wills in these three verses. And they are this. Number one, I will ascend into the heaven. Number two, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Satan said, I will, number three, I will also sit on the mount of the congregation or the assembly as we read in the NIV version. Number four, Satan said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And Satan said, number five, I will be like the most high. Well, God had a response to that in verse number 15. And God reads and he says like this, he says, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead NIV verbiage. You are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. God said, whenever your will gets involved and you begin to exalt yourself above my will, then this is my judgment on you. God had a word for Satan in his self-gratified position that he was exalting himself to. God said, I'm going to deal with this. And he dealt with it very quickly. And it's something that I believe that all of us must understand and begin to realize that God deals with our pride very quickly because he wants us to find ourselves humble and and surrendered before him. Because if not, we can ascend to the places of what we read about here this morning in Satan's heart. The word will simply means desire. In other words, Satan was saying, I desire to ascend into heaven. I desire to be exalted above all. I desire these things. Satan wants to be worshipped. Write that down. Worshipped. Satan wants to be worshipped. This is the nature of every human being prior to salvation. We all, we might not say it, we might not say, I want to be worshipped, bow down to me. No, but I come first. You come second because there are some things that I've got to get done first. I'm first in this equation whenever we have marriages. And I had a word, and I want to share maybe right now is a good place for somebody in this room this morning. Because I really feel like that there's a marriage in here this morning, and there's someone here today, and maybe you and your wife are here, or husband, or maybe you left one or the other at home today, and you've said in your heart, if something doesn't change, I'm done. And this is not working out like I thought it was. And I'm finished. And God, if you don't do something for me, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go any further in this relationship. I feel like that I've gotten to the end of everything that I can do. And I'm just about finished with this. I'm about to throw in the towel. But I want you to know this morning that if you'll hang on for just a moment, I'm going to help you this morning. And I want God to put some joy back in your heart. Because God wants to deal with that. God loves you right where you are in the relationship that you have and it's not too far gone. Because God can restore that relationship and do things for you that only He can do. When you get to the end of everything that you can do, God steps in and does what only He can do. But I want you to know this morning that it's not too late. You haven't gone too far. I don't know who you are, but you're here this morning because I feel it in the Holy Ghost. And I pray this morning that God would renew your heart and would renew your relationship this morning.
I'm looking at you this morning because I want to see your eyes, and I can't see you for the lights, but you're out there. So I want you right now, I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I want to pray for you just a second. I, I feel like this is strong today. God, just do a work right now in every heart and every mind in this place. Touch the hearts of those that are here today. God, for those that have called it quits, for those that in their minds and in their hearts, they've said, I'm done, I've had enough, I'm no longer going to strive for this relationship anymore. I feel like the communication lines have been broken. I feel like that we no longer communicate, we no longer have each other's back, we no longer care enough to do what needs to be done to make this marriage strong. We've stopped, we've stopped doing the right things, we've stopped praying together, we've stopped worshiping together, we've stopped rejoicing, we've stopped communicating in a way, God, that brings you closer and puts, us, puts you right in the middle of everything that we do. And so, Lord, I pray now, God, restore marriages this morning in this house. The house is only as strong as the marriages are that are in it. And so I pray this morning that the marriages are strong. I want you to note something this morning. Jesus always turned all of the attention back to the Father. Anytime anything happened that was, that was to be expressed, anything that was uplifting, Jesus always turned it back to the Father. That's a lesson that all of us can learn this morning, and it's a lesson that Satan probably now wished that he had learned early on because now there is no repentance for Satan. He's been cast out of heaven. Now, I want you to notice with me this morning something that I want to read out of verse number 11. Let's go back to verse number 11, just previous prior to this reading that I read to you out of 14, verse number 12 through 14. Notice what verse number 11 says, talking about Satan himself as well. It says, your pomp is brought down to Sheol. The sound, no, 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 get this, write this down. The sound of your harps, the sound of your harps. There, there was something in Satan, there was something right, in him. Right, right, right. There was something in him that made music. He, he was the music pastor, if you will, of heaven. He, he, he had in him, he had strings. He, he didn't have strings, he was strings. Yeah. He didn't have song, he was song. He didn't have these things, he was these things. Things. So in him in heaven, he would just, if I, if I can be dramatic, he would just simply walk through the heavens and stringed instruments would be playing just because he was there. He didn't have to pick up a guitar. He didn't have to play a piano with the strings. He didn't have to do those things because he was those things. So whenever, wherever he was, there was song there. There was melody there. There was music there. Strings were there. It was made in him. Isaiah was actually prophesying when we read this verses, these few verses of Scripture. Isaiah was actually prophesying to the king of Babylon. But I want you to know he was more talking to the spirit that was driving the king of Babylon than he was the flesh and blood itself. He was basically speaking through the flesh, getting to the spirit, saying, I know who you are, I know where you are, and I'm coming after you. You cannot hide from the Spirit and the presence of God. Now, I want you to also go back with me and notice in verse number 4 where it's... I have a lot of Scripture today, so hang with me. You will take up his taunt against the king of Babylon. What is he talking? You will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon. This is a spirit that is being prophesied about of Isaiah. He's prophesying about a spirit that is driving the king. Now you've, there's, there's something about the spirit... That is, um, how do I want to say, the dealing of spiritual atmosphere, the, the dealing of spiritual intent in our lives. 
There's, at times, each of us have to come to grips with the fact that there is something that is driving me. There is something that is causing me not to be that pleasant person, that loving husband. There's some, there, for some reason, I don't know if it's just me or if it's you every once in a while. I, I, my wife is a words of affirmation individual, and I know that. But I'll tell you the truth whenever we get cross with one another. It is the hardest thing in the world for me to do is to say, you are beautiful. I want to withhold that. I, I, I want you to have to dig through your own emotions. I want you to have to deal with that. But what is it in me? What is it that gets me to that place sometimes? And I know the enemy doesn't want my marriage to be whole. I know he doesn't want my marriage to be great. Why? Because there are so many people, just like in your life, so many people that are looking at you that you have influence with. And if the enemy can tear you down, he'll take people out with you. And so the, the Spirit of the Lord was saying, I know you, I see you, King, but I want to go deeper than this. I'm going to deal with the Spirit that drives you. No, 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 no. Now let's jump to a major prophet called Ezekiel in chapter 28, verses 11 through 16. Now notice what it says. The prophecy is to King Tyree, but he's dealing with Satan, the Spirit. Notice what it says. It says, moreover, the word of the Lord is coming to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Sum of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Verse number 13, notice, thou hast, thou hast, hast been in Eden. Now, the king hadn't been in Eden. That's how we know that we're dealing with a spirit. Thou hast been in Eden in the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship, now get this, the, the workmanship of thy tabrets, tambourine, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes were prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Now, you've got to get this. Now, we understand by the reading of Isaiah's scripture that Satan was made with strings. But now, when we read Ezekiel, we understand that Satan also had tabrets. He had tambourines. He had percussion. And he also had in him Pipes. In other words, he had the ability to have a guitar, if I may, or a piano, anything with strings. He had the ability to walk through heaven and have strings. He had the ability to walk through heaven and have percussion. He had the ability to walk through heaven and, and have pipes, have, have whatever, a, a sax or a, or a flute or, or whatever. Yes, he, he just was. God made him that way. No, 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 no. Write that down on your... He made him that way. He made... It was in him. It was in him. It was a part of him. He didn't pick up a piano. It was in him. It's who he was. Mm. Now, verse number, verse number 16, it says this. Well, let's go back to 14. Thou art an anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the, mount, the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the, of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Verse 16, my next point. By the multitude of thy, write this down, merchandise, 
They have filled in the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned. Satan, you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Now, let's recap for just a moment here. And I'm going to get back to merchandise. In verse number 13, it says, Your workmanship said that you had tabrets, tambourines, or percussion. It said that you had pipes, you had flutes, or you had wind instruments. Everybody say wind instruments. Don't let me lose you with all of the setup. Come on here. And then in Isaiah 14, it says this, you were made up of stringed instruments. Now, all instruments. Now, I realize we have digital pianos and we have digital things now. But originally, there were three categories of all instruments. Percussion, wind, and strings. This was the categories that was made by God. Everything that we use to worship, God made it for His worship. Everything that was made was made by God for God to worship God. And we've taken those things and we've somehow, in many instances, perverted them to do the things we want to do with them. But God made them for him, for he to be worshipped with. Is that good grammar? I'm not sure. I'm not a grammarian. But there there are three things that we must understand this morning. All instruments were made for the worship of God. Satan was the worship leader of heaven. Now, I want you to get this picture in your mind. There were three ruling angels in heaven. Three ruling angels. Lucifer, Gabriel, and Michael. The archangels. Now, now, now get this. Every church service has three components to it. Or it should. Every church service has a component of worship. Just like heaven was made. It was made with worship in it. Every church service has the word in it which Gabriel was given charge of and attends to. And every church service has prayer in it, or it should, and Michael was to be attentive to that. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that there is a component of what I want to talk about this morning in our worship that might be, might, 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 might be missing in your life. And if it is this morning, I want to recharge your batteries. Because I, we could sit down, many of us could sit down today and we could go back and forth about knowledge and about how we know Scripture and about how we theologically studied Scripture to the point that we can argue about it until we're all so religious that we can't touch a soul with anything because we're so hard. And each of us this morning must realize that the dying, hear me, the dying component in the body of Christ today is the worship aspect of everything that we are. Because sometimes we, are, we get puffed up with our knowledge. Sometimes we get puffed up with, with our prayer lives. Our prayer lives might not be a lot, but it is. I pray. Pastor, leave me alone because I pray. But I'm going to ask you this morning, where's your worship? Where's your worship this morning? Now, very quickly, I want to I go back to verse number 16 where it says the word merchandising. In another version, it uses the, the term trading. And what this means in the Hebrew is this. When we take, get this, when we take something that belongs to God for ourselves, that's what that means. When we, whenever we're merchandising, whenever the term trading in another, in another version is used, it simply means it's whenever something is meant for God and we hold back some of it. 
It's meant that whenever I am to be giving God my whole heart and whenever God has been good to me and instead of expressing my love to him and towards him, I hold back something for my own self for whatever reason. Spiritually, naturally, there's a lot that could be said there. I will not belabor that point at this time. But I want you to know today that Satan was found, he, he was found guilty in holding back from God. Now, I think all of us at some points in times have to look at ourselves and say, am I guilty of merchandising? Am I guilty of trading? Am I guilty of holding back something from God? I am simply a conduit. I, I've said it like this before. I am a river, not a lake. I move. Money is currency. It's written right on it. It yeah. moves. It flows. And God blesses people who flow. God blesses people's finances that flow. God blesses us when we flow in the spirit. God blesses us whenever we find what he's given us and we freely give it away. God blesses us whenever we flow in the presence and the power of God. There's something about being a, a flowing, moving individual in the power of God. And my mind always goes to this, and I can't preach it without saying it. And it says I got eight minutes, but that is not going to work for me today. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I'm just saying. But I, I, I just, I know that there's a place in all of our lives to whereby that we find a rhythm with God. And, and, and I believe it was meant to be from the very beginning. I believe if God didn't want rhythm and song and singing and worship, he would have never made Satan Lucifer the way he made him. And there was something about the rhythm of heaven. There was something about the rhythm of God. Whenever God made the universe, everything cycles, everything moves, everything cycles in a rhythm. It just moves. Whenever God spoke, he spoke it into existence and everything started to turn and everything started to move and everything started to be just the way God wanted it to be in its rhythm, in its rhythm, in its rhythm, in its rhythm, the day 12, the night 12, in its rhythm, the sun, the moon, the stars, everything's moving in its place and everything's doing what it's supposed to do. Whenever God made womb, man, womb, womb, man, whenever God made woman, he made her cycle. She has a cycle once a month. She's cycle. She has a rhythm. Life has a rhythm. Everything has a rhythm about it. And if you're not moving in rhythm... You're going to get out of rhythm. And I'll never forget when a man said it to me one time. He said, Jeff, he said, you worship, you worship and clap and, and, and to the words of the song instead of the beat of the song because I'm just a little white boy from the country. And, and I, I would have to watch the snare and like <laughs> to get in rhythm. And, and, and he said, stop listening to the words and get into the beat. And for some of you this morning, you're, you're listening to the words, but your heart's missing the beat. Because God has a rhythm for you. He has a, a rhythm, a rhythm. And when you get in rhythm with God, it's like riding a wave. It's just like God just takes you where he wants you to go. But whenever you stop the rhythm, whenever you stop moving with God in rhythm, it's like being out of sync. Clunk, clunk. Clunk, everybody looks at you. What's wrong? Something, I can't put my finger on it, but something's wrong. What is it? I can't, I don't know. Something's not right. Something's just not in rhythm. It's not in sync. It's not working. You're having to work too hard to get the little you get. Oh, man, I didn't know where that come from. Because God wants to give you bunches with littler effort. 
Come on, somebody. The rhythm of God. Find the rhythm of God. Stay in the rhythm of God. Don't hold back from God. You want to know how to get out of the rhythm of God? Hold back from God. You hold back, God says, all right, you hold back. Sit right there for a little bit. We'll see how it works out for you. See how this works out. Scripture says Jesus said it like this. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. God is the only one worthy of worship. This is the longest point that I have. I promise the next two are really short. The answer to question number one is this. What was Satan's desire? It was to be worshipped. That was past. That was his intention. My second question to you this morning. What is, 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 I ask, what is Satan's desire? What is his desire? Matthew 4, 8 and 9 says, again, the devil took him to a, who? Who did he take? Christ. He took him to a high place and a very high mountain and he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this will I give you. <laughs> give, give God? I'm, he's a liar. When I'll give this to you, but if you're out of rhythm, you can't figure out the lie. My God. When you, when, you, when you get out of sync, when you, when you get out of your prayer life, when you're not worshiping, whenever you're not giving God, you, you're going, I, I. you get out of rhythm. And he said, if you will bow down and worship me, he told Jesus, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of these things. Satan's, what is his desire? Worship is always expressed and you are worshiping something. You are worshiping love Love is always expressed. Satan said, bow down. In other words, I want your expression. I want your expression. I want you to bow down. I want your expression. Satan does not want you to express your worship to God. That's why sometimes he's the fallen one. He's going to fight you. He doesn't want you to worship. He doesn't want you to connect in the worship service with God. Because it can be one of the most powerful moments of your life. Whenever, I, whenever I'm in need of emotional help, whenever I'm, whenever I'm down, whenever I, whenever I mess up, almost said screw up. Whenever I mess up, whenever I do the stuff that I don't want to do and I do it, I find my balance. I find my way back in worship. Hmm. Satan's greatest desire, write this down, is to stop every person from worshiping God. My third question, what will be Satan's desire? Will, future. What will be Satan's desire? Read with me in Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 4. People worship the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshiped the beast and asked... Who is like the beast? And whenever I read this the other day, it reminded me of Moses' writings in the book of Exodus. But this is what he said. He said, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? Now, if you remember the song that Miriam sang whenever they came through the Red Sea, what did she sing? She sang, who is like our God? And who can wage war against him. Satan loves to rob everything that God has. Who can wage war against the dragon? Well, I'll tell you who can. The one I worship can. Who can wage war? He wants us to worship him. He wants us to buy into a facade 
That if we worship him, he'll give you all of this stuff. If you hold back, I'll give you more. If you hold back, you better hold back because you just don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You better hold back. If you, if you hold back, that's wisdom if you hold back. That's wisdom because if I give it all away, I don't have anything for tomorrow. But I promise you this, whenever God's in control, you can give everything away. You can give it all away. And God will replenish you and he'll continue to flow through you. That's the powerful thing about God is, is that he flows like a current. And whenever I give it away, he brings in more. He brings in more and he brings in more. It's a constant flow. I never go empty whenever I'm serving and giving my life to God. Whenever I worship God, I, I, I never run dry. I only run dry whenever I stop giving and serving and moving and letting him flow. That's when I run dry. That's when my emotions get dry. That's, that's whenever I get to the place that I'm ready to divorce her. That's when I get to the place that I can no longer give anymore. That's when I get to the place in my life that I, that I stop doing what I know God's called me to do. Why? Because I'm dry. When I get dry, I don't have anything to give. And when I don't have anything to give, don't come knocking on my door. Because if you do, I might have a harsh word for you. Can I pray? Is this okay? Am I... I I told the first, that's that old stuff coming out in me. I hope it's okay. Amen. Now I want you to notice with me as well, Revelation 17, 13, and 14. They will all agree to give him, who, 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 the dragon. They will all agree to give him their power and their authority. Together will, they, will, they will go to war against the lamb. But the lamb will defeat them because he is the Lord of all lords and king of all kings. And he is called the chosen and faithful one. And, and excuse me, and, and the faithful ones will be with him. I read that this morning because there's going to come some point. At some point, Christ is going to say, This is enough. It's enough. Now, there's some finality to this walk that we're walking, there's a reckoning day. I'm smart enough to know as a pastor, you get what you preach. And I'm, I'm not a gloom and doom, God help us all, die and the sky's falling. Never will you hear me talk about stuff like that, rarely. But I will tell you today that there's a reckoning day. And there comes a point in time where you've got to get it right with God. Come by, I know I just put a weight, that's okay, carry it carry it there's going to come a time whenever Jesus is enough the father's going to say Jesus go get him go get him enough Revelation 19 11 through 16 I'm almost there he says I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider was called faithful and true this is Jesus with justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him riding on a white horse. That's you and I dressed in fine linen and white and, and clean coming out of his mouth who Christ's mouth coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations he will rule them with an iron scepter 
he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written, and that name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I jump to one more verse. Revelation 21. The new Jerusalem is coming down from heaven, and the bride is clothed with precious stones. This is us. This is the bride of Christ. We are those people on those white horses behind Christ with that flame of fire in his eyes. There's coming a time when all of this that Satan is doing, payday's coming. Payday's coming, Satan. Payday's coming, Satan. I'm going to tell you why he's so after you and why he hates you. I went through all of this this morning to get you to understand that whenever God the Father made Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him in heaven, he made him with strings. He made him with percussion. And he made him with pipes. Something hit me about a year or so ago. And I began to realize, you know, I now get it why Satan don't like me. Because whenever God struck him out of heaven and Jesus said, I, I watched as he was, a, was literally a lightning bolt that came from heaven. I realized that in Satan's mind and heart, if I may be dramatic this morning, he was saying to himself, well, you may strike me from heaven, but there'll be no more worship in heaven because I am the worshiper. I am the worship leader. You made me with strings and pipes and, and, and all of that. God, whenever he began to think, and if I may, for a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, if I could use that term found in 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 50 through 55, he says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, I'm going to come after my bride. I'm going to catch them away. I have something going to happen. But at that moment, I believe in that same time period, Father said, ha, 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 ha. And he reached down on earth, and he picked up some dirt. And as Satan fell, he went, and Adam went, and what you don't realize is, is, is that I got vocal cords. And what you don't realize is, is that I got air in these lungs that goes across those cords, which makes us sound. And what you don't realize is, is that I got hands and I can beat them. And I can make a noise. And I can make a rhythm. So what you may not realize is, is what Satan used to be, you are. Ah, what he used to do now. You want to know why he doesn't like you? Because you took his place. You took his place. You, and if you don't worship, God said, I've made you to be a worshiper. So when you breathe, worship God. When you clap, worship God. Because God gave you everything that you need. But then there came a moment in time as I close today. There came a moment whenever the dirt that was made by God to worship him turned and served the one who had fallen. He turned and he served the one who had fallen. Oh, my Redeemer. And Satan once again thought to himself, I got him this time. 
he made Adam and Eve and they worshiped him but I got him this time because now they're worshiping me and then the father said ha Mary in your wounds I'll make out of dirt something that will not fall something that will redeem all of the dirt that fell whenever Satan deceived Eve in the garden of all of that deception and everything that happened it's all good it's all good because the father always has an answer I want you to know today you have not went too far you don't have you do not have enough sin in your life that God does does not love you and cares for you because he made you to worship I encourage you today to be a worshiper because I've noticed over the years the first thing that goes whenever I start getting down and don't have anything good to say is my worship whenever I start when my joy goes when my joy it's whenever I'm not worshiping it's whenever I'm not entering into the presence of God I challenge you to get into the presence of God and worship God like you haven't worshiped God in a long time. And I promise you, some things are going to change in your life. There's going to be some things today that you don't think will ever come to pass. But I want you to know God's going to make it happen when you begin to worship Him. Are there any worshipers in the house? Is there anybody that'll say, God, I'll worship you. I'll worship you. Ah. I'll worship. I'll worship. I'll worship. I will worship. I will worship. I will worship. I will worship. I don't know if you're going to worship, but I'm going to worship. I'm tired of watching preachers sit on the front row and act like they don't have anything to worship. I'm talking about my fraternity. You can say whatever. I'm talking about my bunch. Preachers got to worship. How the people going to know how to worship if the preachers don't worship? How the people going to worship if the worship leaders don't worship? This is not perfection. This is anointing. This is the Spirit of God that moves whenever people that are full of God begin to worship. I'll take anointing over perfection any day. I love, I love Nashville. I love perfection in music. But I want Nashville to know right now they'll never be able to replace the power of a God who can change us on the inside. And I pray now in the name of Jesus that we never get so wrapped up in our perfection that we stop worshiping. Oh. Hallelujah. I want you to close your eyes with me for a moment because I think that it's time for some of us in this room. Worship leaders are coming. I'm going to have you guys worship for a moment. I hope it's okay. I don't come that often, so please hang with me. Close your eyes with me for a moment. I'm sorry. If you're here this morning under the sound of my voice and you're hurting on the inside, literally dying because you feel like that religion has failed you and you feel like that there are things inside of you that are just piece by piece falling off of you and you're just to that place of dear God what do I do now what do I do now I want you to know this morning what you do now 
is not debate over a scripture. What you do now is not necessarily more prayer. You've prayed and it's still the same. You guys can sing whenever you want. But what you do now is you become the worshiper that God made you to be. I want you this morning to every time that you lift your voice that I want you to know in your heart my God I feel the Holy Ghost I want you to know that what Satan once was you now are and it's all up to you you can't nobody else do it God made you to do it God made me to do it God give me the cords God give me the breath God gave me the hands God gave me the ability to do that every eye closed every head bowed I'll get to the prayer now if you're here right now, I want to pray for you. If you're here and you're just, about, you're just about done all you know, come on, lift your hand. If you're here today and you're saying, I need help. I need help. I'm wounded. I've been through some, I'm so cynical. I can't see good for seeing all of the bad. I, know, I don't even know about church. I'm not sure about it anymore. Pastor, help me. Help me, Pastor. I need help this morning. I want you to know this morning that your help is coming in the form of your worship. I want you to know this morning that the things that maybe you've given up on, you need to go back to. And you need to say, God, I'm going to pick it up again. I'm going to get rid of the cynicism. I'm going to get rid of the hurt and the pain. I'm going to get rid of the attitude. I'm going to be loving and kind. So, Lord, I pray now in the name of Jesus, God, that you restore. Restore right now in Jesus' name. Restore faith. Restore joy. Restore worship. Restore my kindness. Restore. Restore. Restore.